Welcome to the Fit Fathers Podcast, Episode 1, Making Time for Fitness as a Dad. In this podcast, we talk about family and fitness from the perspective of the everyman who wants to be healthy for himself and those counting on him. How do you make time for fitness when you've got a young family? people like to know about the, the you know the real the real us you know not the just what we put on twitter you know for sure um, i mean it's what is it it's, it's 10 8 here so i've already woken up and done my workout um i got up really early 10 10 o'clock i went to bed at eight i got up at 10 um i've got my black coffee with salt in it um and I, what else am I going to do? I haven't had my cold shower yet, but that's on the way. Uh, after this, I'll have a cold shower. Uh, yeah, so just because it's, you know, we're exactly like we, we appear in, on Twitter. That's, that's how we are in real life. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, we're big advocates of, of black coffee and salt for, for fuel. Um, but yeah, I mean, that was the driest humor ever. It took me a second to realize you were making a joke, but that's, I mean, that's, that's what people say on Twitter. You see people saying stuff like, I didn't go to bed till midnight, got up at three, killed it in the gym. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, there's so much wrong with that. Even if you did do that stuff, you shouldn't be modeling that to people. That's how people get hurt. That's how people get burnt out. That's how they end up so overtrained that they, they're not a decent human being to their own family. I mean, maybe that you're the weird one in a million mutant who can run on three hours of sleep and still be a decent human being. But that's not applicable to the wider audience. So I don't know why people insist on selling that bullshit. I'm sorry, I shouldn't swear to... on a podcast. Oh, no. <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't offend me. Um, <laughs> um, who, who really needs to get up at four in the morning anyway? Like, um, if you do need to, then yeah. fine and work out, work out at that time if that's the only time you're going you're to be able to make it work then i yes. get it i, I mean I've, there's got to be something else right i mean if you're going to sacrifice sleep to that extent to work out there we go that's better then it's not going to be the, the most productive workout that you could have had um and then if there's any way that you could just work out at a different time even if your workouts are going to be shorter um i would say that the improved sleep is more important um, yeah. and if, you, if you're just doing it just so you can say you got up at four four o'clock and did a workout just for the man points or whatever then that's just completely stupid anyway <laughs> yeah because nobody else cares nobody else yeah, yeah they don't matters uh, anyway i'll just go off on one um, anyway yeah no I, I i mean that's exactly what i was going to say about it is most people they're you know they're if, if they were to do that all they would be doing is they would be getting an ineffective workout, shortchanging themselves on sleep that they desperately need. I mean, that's the worst of both worlds. You, you're, you've managed to fall down on both of those priorities rather than choosing one and just making some headway on it. Like, you know, if you're down to getting four hours a night of sleep, probably working out's the least of your problems. You should probably start examining your life and try to figure out a way to prioritize a little bit more sleep because, I mean, that's just not good for you. I mean, hormonally... Uh, you know, psychologically, anything like the body's just not meant to run on no sleep and over a longer period of time. Actually, I have a true, true personal anecdote about that. When I was in college, I worked to pay my way through it because I mean, I didn't get enough scholarships because I was a terrible student and uh, my family didn't, you know, didn't have the money to pony up to pay for it. So I had to work through college and uh, I was in my I think my first two years, I worked in restaurants. I mean, I worked in restaurants longer than that, but I worked in a kitchen and a very busy restaurant. And I worked very long hours. Like I would say an average week was like 50 or 55 hours of work. So I would get up in the morning, commute an hour from the suburbs where my parents lived. And I would go to university. I'd have eight o'clock classes and I'd get out around, you know, 2 p.m., and I would start work at 3 p.m. And I would often not get home till after 1 o'clock in the morning. So you do the math, right? Like I, 
there was no time to sleep there. I was basically coming home, falling into bed, getting up in the morning, having a shower and just rinsing and repeating that. And I was doing that all through the, the, the school week, Monday to Friday. And then I usually worked a really long day on Saturday and a half day on Sunday. That was the day I slept in. I slept in from two in the morning-ish on Sunday to like 10 or 11. And then I only worked a half day that afternoon. So I drove all the way back into the city again, did a half day, came back. And um, that was fine for a while when I was 19. But after about five or six months, um, I would find myself, I'd be driving home on the highway and I'd be like, mm, right? I'd be cruising off the lane. They had rumble strips. It was when this really got bad, it was December. So it was very, very cold. I would have my windows all rolled down, blowing, you know, minus 20 degree Celsius air into the car. And I'd still be falling asleep at the wheel and the rumble strips would be waking me up. And I realized like something's got to give, right? Like <laughs> I'm going to die. Um, and so I changed that. But I mean, that's, that's what that looks like. That's what that lifestyle is. That's for a, like a 19, 20 year old kid. If you're a 40 year old father of three and you're doing four hours a night of sleep, I mean, you're going to, you're, you're headed for a bad place. There's no, there's no getting around that. And how was that affecting what you were eating? So you, your day was packed with all these different things. You weren't sleeping much. Nope. You may not have known it then, but maybe you do now. Um, that has an impact on what you eat, right? Even oh, yeah. if you don't have the best intentions already, it must still impact you. I was lucky that I worked at an upper, uh, upper casual dining restaurant. So, and I was, um, I was one of the management. So. Uh, I was kitchen management. So what ended up happening was I, I got my meals for free. And I had a tendency to eat, you know, steak, potatoes, you know, I might have a, a salmon plate or whatever. Like I, a lot of my choices weren't terrible. Uh, even though all I was eating is restaurant food, uh, in hindsight, you know, looking back on it, it wasn't the worst choices I could have made, but it definitely affected the rest of my life. Like when I wasn't at work, I just ate whatever garbage was available. Right. Um, I was scarfing down. Just what, honestly, whatever was convenient. I, I bet I ate a lot of fast food. Not that I can remember the details anymore. Um, I was also highly, highly stressed, which between college and being highly stressed led to a lot of uh, unnecessary drinking, which didn't do me any favors <laughs> in the long haul. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was not good. It was not good lifestyle. I mean, I, I honestly almost died just driving home a few nights. Um, you know, dead of winter, yeah. I could have ended up in the ditch minus 25, minus 30 degrees in December, in the middle of the night, nobody's even driving by the, the highway. I could have just frozen to death on the side of the road with an accident I had because I was too tired to drive. Yeah. I, I bet that happens. <laughs> I bet that does happen to people, which is really sad. Um, and a pointless way to waste your life. Um, yep. but let's, uh, let's, um, try and cheer it up a bit <laughs> yeah yeah we'll, no. we'll get that far into, i'm gonna cut that part because it's pretty grim but yeah i mean the thing about the thing about poor lifestyle habits is they have a way of cascading into each other you don't yeah. sleep enough so you eat poorly you eat poorly and you don't sleep enough so you don't exercise you don't do all of those things so you're depressed right you're depressed so your social relationships fall apart because you have no social relationships you become even more mentally ill uh, and then one thing leads into another. And before you know it, you know, it's a giant mess and you have to untangle it by starting somewhere, which is usually why I say to people start by exercising. Cause it's, you know, it's going to give you something that you can tangibly change right now. And then it's going to feed your desire to do the other good things. Because as you start seeing results, exercising, you're going to be like, you know, I need to eat better. I'm never going to see these abs. <laughs> right yeah. i need to sleep more. Like my a, gains will fail it's a compounding habit um and there are other compounding habits but i feel like exercising is one of the strongest ones um because it's like a cornerstone um that the other ones slot into nicely um and it matches my own experience um it's the one i started with and i feel like it's once you've solidified that habit it's so much easier to add other better ones in um and yeah, it's, it's a life changer. And it's, it's not, it's not me exaggerating that. There's a lot of people that have 
about the same thing. It, it really is a life changer. That's starting the exercise. Just got to find the thing that you enjoy. Um, and exercise doesn't have to be, be punishment. And a lot of people who don't do it think that it will be punishment or misery or, you know, something like that. That feels pretty good, actually. I mean, it's hard when you first yeah. start, right? Like, there's no point in no point in sugarcoating that too much. You're probably going to be a little sore. You're using muscles that you've neglected for a long time because regular everyday life. I mean, most people don't use their major muscles the way they're supposed to at all on a daily basis. They hardly walk. They don't do any strenuous activity. And a lot of people uh, never bend their knees far enough to even get full range of motion in their posterior chain, right? So when they first start, they first start lifting, it's a, it's a real shock. Yeah. Um, so, okay. So now we're talking about lifting. So let's start with, let's start with our first, our first question. You've got a baby on the way. You've got a toddler at home. You're, uh, you know, you're, you've got full-time work uh, in a professional capacity. You run your own business. You're married and you're planning to stay that way. How is it that you manage all that stuff? And what, like, what's your number one tip? for somebody who might be similarly overloaded as you and managing their health and fitness in the, in the, in the face of all those kinds of challenges on their time and their energy. So I used to think that, um, so, so if you go back to before I had kids, um, well, I only have one at the moment, but I will have to, uh, if you go back to before I had any children, um, I used to think that, my workout program or routine had to look a certain way for it to be effective and i used to think that if i wasn't spending an hour in the gym at, at a time four or five times a week and usually longer than that an hour hour 30 really each time multiplied by four or five um multiple exercises like six or seven per session with at least three sets each um i thought if i wasn't doing that it wouldn't be worth it I thought that um, the returns were linear um, and they're really not. So that point of diminishing returns from everything you're doing, this is what I would say. Um, that point of diminishing returns is probably much further to the left of the curve than you think. Uh, and just to make this really easy, much easier to understand, you don't need to do that much. You really don't need to do as much as you might think um to both progress and also to um just maintain what you've got so this will change for me when i had um so about what how old is he now uh, he's 20 months old so yeah so back in november uh, 2018 uh, when when our son came along um it really did change when and how i could work out because i was um going in the mornings, I was, I was getting up at five, <laughs> as we, we kind of spoke about this already, but I was getting up at five. Um, so I could go and get to the gym, um, cause I had to get a train to work. Um, and then I could go and get a workout done before, um, you know, along the way on my commute. So I'd be getting a train, going into the gym and then going to work from there. Uh, and I'd be spending an hour and a half in the gym. Um, and then a bit more time as well for getting changed and showered and stuff. Um, I just couldn't do that anymore uh, because we didn't get one of those children that sleeps well. Um, you know, he's he's amazing in every way. Um, do those children exist? Well. Really? Sorry, yeah, I've heard of. Some Come on, they're like uni unicorns, um, but um, they probably they probably make up for it in other ways because you know our son he he really is adorable. He's, we 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 jokingly say it. We say, oh, you know, he's he's the best boy in the world. Um, but um, he just didn't sleep very well at all. Like as bad as you think, it, if you're not a parent, as bad as you think it can be, it's a lot worse than that, yeah. from whatever you imagine. Like Encouraging as that all is, right? But it's the truth. Yeah. You haven't been there yet. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry we're bursting your yeah. bubble. It's, it's, really um, it's starting to get better now. Um, so from about the 18 month mark, it started to get better. I now get woken up maybe twice a night. Um, which is like, I can deal with that, but you know, at the start it's like 10 times a night or more. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, that's all just to say that um, 
I just couldn't get up at five o'clock in the morning anymore. Um, and also, um, I couldn't I couldn't even just go to the gym a little bit later in the morning, but you know, not spend an hour and a half there, just spend maybe 45 minutes there. I couldn't do that either because um, as little sleep as I was getting, my wife was getting even less because um, he was breastfed for the first year of his life, um, which means that every time, all those times he was waking up, she was spending 20 minutes feeding him and then having to, you know, then she's awake and then having to get back to sleep. And then he wakes up again <laughs> for another feed. Um, so when he was ready to get up for the day, it was when I would take over and she'd get a couple of hours then. Um, and then I'd go to work and she, you know, she'd do it looking after him all day. Um, so that left no time there. That time when I was in the gym was now me looking after my son and bonding with him and spending amazing time with him in the mornings before I went to work. So the gym got sacrificed there. So what I did was I, I just um, started going in the middle of the day, um, taking a lunch break. And, you know, things change when you when you become a parent. Like you, I, I think you, I, well, I did anyway, stopped caring about what people would think of me for um, leaving it on time um, and taking the break that I'm entitled to. Um, so I was just going to the gym and it took 10 minutes to walk there, 10 minutes to walk back, time for changing and everything, and then working out in an hour. So my workouts were like 20 minutes long. Um, and I was just doing one compound exercise per session. And you'll remember, we, we spoke about these when I was trying to figure it all out, but you know, we had some good discussions and Shane gave I, us I some do. ideas. Um, so I was, my first idea was I was going to do one compound exercise and just do as many sets as I could fit into that 20 minutes. And I was getting in about five or six sets. And then um, you kind of suggested we I, maybe I do two exercises of three sets or two or three of each, yep. which was working really well. So I, I would, um, and, I, and I found that I was able to make progress doing this. Just two compound exercises four times a week, four or five times a week, um, two or three sets. So what is that? Um, say it was four sessions, which is what it usually was most weeks. Four sessions of six sets, 24 sets a week covering the whole body. Wow. A lot of people do 24 sets in X, uh, a workout or more. Yeah, that's what I was doing Yeah, 24 sets for the whole body per week. And that was enough. And I was making progress. I feel like I made gains over the, like, with the, even with the crappy sleep, I was making gains. I was stronger than ever before. Um, once uh, the sleep improved a bit, you know, um, at first it was like a train hit me. But um, yeah, you just adapt. Um, and yeah, you really don't need as much as you think. So um, I'm kind of rambling here, but yeah, long story short, um, kids take over everything and uh, they're amazing, but you know, you've got to find out a new workout program that, that works for you um, and much less than you think. Yeah. You really don't need that much and focus on compound exercises. That's actually, I mean, that's pretty much been my experience too. Like uh, our son came around, so that's three kids and that's two, two phases. So it's a pretty similar situation in that way and you know I was even older this time and I just I just knew there was no way I could push as hard and as long as I was you know and I do push hard sometimes as far as you know I do a little bit more volume or whatever I'm very good at um auto regulation of my, of my own training I uh, I don't think that the average client is is likely to get there anytime soon but I really know how I'm feeling and I'm good at reading when I need to dial it back or when I can push a little harder, but even still, um, of late, you know, I've been trying to cut fat and stuff. Uh, you know, I still, still have small kids running me pretty, pretty hard. And my approach has been just like that. It's been like, what's my minimum effective dose, right? Let's find that like for how can I continue to reach my, my goals and do the least amount to get there. Uh, and it's been really surprisingly effective. I've hit, uh, I've hit a PR almost every single time I've been in the gym this month while losing weight. Uh, I think a lot of people just don't realize how, how big of an epidemic there is out there doing too much. Yeah. That's the, that's the real epidemic. <laughs> no, we'll, I'll, I don't want to say that. Um, I'll take that back. But, um, yeah, I, I I find that impressive. Uh, hitting PRs when you're losing fat—that's that's like amazing. Uh, yeah, it way past my wildest expectations. Honestly, I'd have been happy just to sort of roughly hold on to what I had. Yeah, I usually I usually end up um, losing a bit of strength every time I cut, but I probably go too too drastic. 
um, you know, I, I probably cut my calories a bit too harshly, which I tell other people not to do. Um, if you read my tw Twitter feed, it's basically just um, advice to myself. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm not exhibiting all the things I tweet about. <laughs> no, me neither. It's yeah. just because you know what the perfect path looks like doesn't mean you live it, right? I mean, a lot of yeah, exactly. what's ideal is is being just a little out of reach of it, right? You're like, if only I could just get this last couple of things dialed in. Um, but I mean, part of it too is we all have our own blind spots. I mean, it's why when people say coaches need coaches, I totally agree. Like in a in a perfect world, I totally agree because you know. Left to my own devices, I refuse to address certain areas of opportunity. I just don't do it. Uh, you know, I don't do enough mobility work. That's still a problem. I, you know, if I've got 40 minutes to hit the gym, the idea of spending 15 of it rolling myself out on a foam roller, to me, is just a tough sell. I just won't do it. Um, yeah. Like, right? I just won't. I, it's not motivating. I don't like it. It's not that I don't think it's valuable. It's just, if something's got to go, that's the first thing I'm going to cut. Now, if I was responding, you know, to somebody else's instructions, I was following those instructions and they said, no, you got to do this. It's a non-negotiable part of your training plan. I would do it. But since I make my, the training plan and I'm also the client who doesn't like to do the foam rolling, that, that gets cut. I don't do it. So I, I think that's a big part of it. You're, you're saying like, it's advice to yourself and if other people took the advice, even the advice that you know you should follow that you don't, they'd probably do pretty well. How do yeah, I have motivations? Some, some of the um, things that I had to do along the way um, that I really should have done sooner, um, but have been really like, not life changing, but like lifting life. If we, if we talk about our, our like lives as lifters, uh, life changing for me. Um, I should have done a lot sooner, but I just resisted it for so long. I just resisted making that change, even though I thought it was probably the right thing to do. Um, are training chest so much um, and all pushing movements because I, I, um, I had, it, they give me trouble in my shoulders and elbows. Uh, not not shoulders so much anymore, but they used to, um, and I still have those twinges uh, from historical bad form and historical stupidity, uh, like always training really heavy and doing it like three or four times a week um just stupid stuff like that when i was like in my early 20s and thought that I, my body was going to go on being you know like injury proof forever um and i, I i've picked up an elbow issue as well uh, which was exacerbated by um pushing issues so I was doing like a lot of dumbbell uh, dumbbell work, like dumbbell bench press, dumbbell incline bench press, dumbbell uh, seated shoulder press, and it was giving my elbow a problem. Um, and I just persisted with these things for too long, um, even though that I was not really getting anywhere. I wasn't able to make strength. Um, my left side had a, a huge weakness compared to my right because that was the side of the problem. Um, and I just needed to dial back the amount of stuff I was doing and I just couldn't bring myself to do it because I know I, I must have this dumbbell work in my program. I must have like three or four exercises for chest and shoulders. But you know, I, I eventually just kept kept it to just one exercise for, for chest, which has, is now incline bench press with a barbell um, and one for shoulders, which is, um, well, at the moment it's not, but it, it was uh, military press, you know, with a barbell as well because those are the ones I could do with no problems. And they're enough. That was enough. Um, I didn't need all the other stuff. It was just making my problems worse. And I had to learn that lesson. You know, you don't always have to do everything. Yeah, I mean, it's really easy too, because I mean, I even catch, still catch myself doing it. I'll, I'll be looking at the social media and other trainers have a favorite go-to exercise. I'm like, I've never even tried that. I have to try that. And that's good. I mean, you should try stuff out. But there's a tendency to want to pick up new things and never let go of any of the old things. And then you end up in a situation where, you know, you were doing one compound exercise for each area per day or what have you. And now you're doing two compound exercises and a couple of isolation-based accessories and so on and so forth. And before you know it, your training gets all bloated again. You're doing too much. You're pushing yourself too hard. 
it's really easy to do because shiny object syndrome is a real thing out there. There's always something shiny and new to try. And I think a lot of people, they change up their training all the time. And it's like, you've never even, yeah. you've never given what you were doing any time to work. Right. Yeah. Look at yeah. the pursuit of the perf perfect program. You haven't actually followed a program for any length of time. You know, yeah. see this all the time. I find myself doing that like an expert, an anecdote for me would be um, hamstring curls. Like I, I don't like them very much. Um, they, they feel, they feel a bit awkward on my knees. Um, and I keep, I put them back in my program every now and again. Cause I'm like, I really should do this. I, I need to improve my hamstring strength. And then I always give up on it again after a few weeks. And as a result of starting something, keeping it going for maybe six weeks maximum, and then stopping it again for months, when I come to resume it, I'm starting from, I'm starting from the beginning again. Like I have not retained the progress that I've made because I, I dropped it for too long. So it's always a case of, you know, two steps forward, two steps back again, two steps forward, two steps back again. So the people that change their program all the time, maybe experiencing something similar, perhaps not no progress, but not as much progress as they could have had if they just stayed true to one thing and just got consistently better at that one thing. You know, if you're changing your workouts all the time, um, the ad adaptation that you just forced will go back again if you don't keep doing it. Um, so that's why I don't like to, um, I, I will not entertain talk about muscle confusion and all stuff like that because uh, I do not believe it gets you better results. Okay, yeah, okay. That's a good, I like this as a transitionary question. What are your top peeves? When you see, when you see training, marketing and, um people pushing their you know their training philosophies what are what are your top what ones set you off when you see them you just i mean i don't i rarely engage but when i see somebody say well you have to do this thing or you have to do that thing and i don't agree with it there's a few of them and i i usually just pass it by but it's real tempting in certain cases i'm sure you feel the same way about some stuff what are they yeah okay so i think um Given a bit of time, I've come up with a better, better list, and I'm going to forget stuff because there's probably quite a lot. But um, <laughs> doesn't need to be a whole list; we've, just we've a few. Touched, we've touched on muscle confusion, so that's a big no-no for me. Uh, you need a you need a plan that's consistent. Um, you shouldn't be, you know, keep keep doing something for for me minimum eight weeks, better twelve. Yeah, in my opinion, um, I'm sure people will disagree with me on that, but that's fine. Um, Fat, fat burning workouts, um, you know, not a fan. Um, people trying to burn away their fat in the gym. Um, possible, yeah, but effective, not really. Um, you're much better served by just looking at your diet. Um, you could probably burn maybe, maybe an extra hundred calories in in a with a with a very intense lifting session. Like, and I, by intense, I don't mean intensity of lifting like weight on the bar which is what we usually mean when we talk about intensity i mean about like busy like jumping from one thing to another lots of stuff all crammed in a lot of it very light weights because you're doing like well you're not resting so you're not going to be able to lift very heavy like um, your classic yeah. hit workouts yeah so i mean i get that some people enjoy that sort of thing but the for the amount of extra effort you're not going to burn that many calories and it's not easier to just remove them from your diet in my opinion now other people will disagree and i'm sure they've, they've had good results doing what they enjoy but i personally just hate that style of working out i, I it's, it's like punishment to me um not fun me um, too so that's more more personal um something that i i dislike when i see it in the gym is um people going to failure on big lifts and it's the, i'm thinking of the bench press here uh, and then their spots are kind of allowing them to continue going on that set um, and get out lots more reps, even though they've already actually failed. And the spotter is, you know, just helping them a lot. I don't think there's a lot to gain there. And you're just, uh, you're just, you're making, you're making a recovery harder and you're not gaining anything by doing that. You're just taking it out of yourself for the next set. Um, so that's, that's a bit pointless in my opinion, just counterproductive. Um, I mean, I can have, a, I could go on forever. I can probably keep thinking of them, but I'd like to hear some of yours. Well, honestly, the, the, um, workout for fat loss is really high on mine too. Uh, I, 
I don't, uh, I don't keep track of research. You know, I'm one of those read and forget kind of guys. Like, so, you know, I just take what I need to take out of it. And then I, I don't bother to bookmark it or anything like that usually. But I believe Brad Schoenfield just did another study on, uh, you know, the epoch, uh, the big epoch selling point of high intensity interval training and said it, like 30 calories extra over the next 24 hours not even not even the one or 200 you see you know in the more in the research from a few years back when it was largely debunked as being significant it's more like 30 try not to spend that all in one place you know what i mean it's like how how hard did you work for 30 calories it doesn't even doesn't even make any sense to me and i mean there's a trade-off cost as you said you had to lower the weights you know you had to work yourself into a state of exhaustion and all you got for that was 30 extra calories over the next 24 hours. And the 30 calories, I wonder if they account for the fact that you are so tired now that you're going to move less, so sore that you're um, you know, going to avoid doing certain things. I wonder if that's taken into account or not. It would be interesting to know. Well, or if, you know, it's sort of, it might end up being taken into account in kind of a roundabout way, because they, if they track the participants, that probably affected their behavior in that time. So it might've been that they burn an extra 200 calories from the workout, and then they lose 170 in neat activity, like you were just saying. Um, and I mean, also, you got to wonder how that affects appetite too, because I know that when I work out until I'm ready to drop, I want to go binge eat afterwards. Whereas if I leave yeah. a little bit of energy, I've got some self-control usually. Um, it's it's no mystery to me uh, at this point. If if I do heavy squats or deadlift days, those are always my most intense, you know, highest stress load kind of training days. And I eat big. Later those days, I eat big. I Even on a cut, I have to allow a few extra calories because I just simply can't do it. If you ask me to, if you ask me to cut 500 calories out of one of those days, I could do it once, but then I would pay for it probably all the next week. So I just eat. So I got to wonder if people do HIIT training six days a week, if they aren't just eating eating a ton more food to make up for the HIIT training. It's kind of like uh, the distance runners tend to get fatter, right? They tend to lose muscle mass and get skinny fat. And it's because they want to eat all the time because they're just burning heaps and heaps of ca uh, calories on relatively low value activity from a muscle at least from a muscle building perspective, it's low value. So I wonder if it's pretty similar to that. And I also feel like with those types of training, I feel like the biggest thing, the biggest strike against them is that they, they'll get you into shape. They'll help you to maintain a body composition if you like them and you adhere to them. But because it's essentially just running on a hamster wheel all the time, the minute you stop, the clock is ticking till you lose everything. It's, it, it starts right off. You know, you see, I've known lots of people that did the drop in hit, you know, uh, what's it? CrossFit light is how I would describe it. Uh, workouts at those, you know, the small boutique gyms that just do the, the hit training and stuff and they get in great shape. They're going, or they, you know, much better shape than they were. They lose a significant amount of fat. They're going multiple times a week for three months. And then something comes up to get a little busier in life and they start, being kind of spotty about attendance and then shortly thereafter because you get spotty about attendance and your performance starts to drop and it starts to be a less and less pleasant experience every time you go in they stop going altogether and it's only another yeah. couple of months till it's like they never went at all they they look yeah. exactly like they did before they went so you got to ask yourself is that a sustainable strategy are you going to run on this hamster wheel forever you know it's a high time and energy investment and I, I feel like um, the more muscle you gain, um, the easier it is to retain your the, the new shape um, because muscle is very met metabolically active tissue. Let me make sure I say that right. Um, it requires a lot of calories to maintain muscle, well, comparatively to fat. So once you have built a really solid foundation of muscle that you didn't used to have, um, it's harder to get out of shape again because um, it was still possible by all means, like still quite easy actually, but not as easy as it is if you didn't have the muscle um, because um, you know, you're burning more calories on a daily basis, even when you don't do anything. 
um, and it doesn't take much um, to maintain that muscle as as I have learned over this last four months. Yeah, it ties right back to what we were saying before, right? Yeah. Like you, once you've got that base, it's like you can hold on to it fairly easily. Yeah, definitely. Like when I when we, lockdown first started, I was um, working out every day. I was only doing one thing, so I was doing. So it was still a very low volume plan, but I was working out every single day, um, making sure I did something. And as the weeks have gone on, that's turned into every other day, and sometimes two days gap. But still, only doing one thing. So it'll be like just 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 chin ups today, or it'll be I've got a dumbbell that goes up to like um, goes up to thirty two and a half kilograms. I'm not sure that is in pounds. About seventy kilograms. Pretty yeah. good. About yeah, seventy. I tweet in pounds because that's what my audience want, but I have to always figure it out first. Um, I actually think in kilograms. So yeah, as a Canadian, I kind of can work with both systems yeah. for temperature <laughs> and for weight and for height. I can work with oh, both temperature. systems. Temperature, I've got no idea. Temperature, I, know, I always have to look it up um, if I'm talking any other one. Uh, we do we do uh, centigrade or Celsius. Here. Yeah, same but here. Anyway, um, but I, I talk to so many Americans that I have to know Fahrenheit too. But zero is the same in both, right? I never understand that. Uh, no, uh, zero degrees Celsius is 32 Fahrenheit. They meet at about minus 40. I think it's minus 44. Okay, I, can't, okay. I can't remember. It's around there. So all that to say, 32 kilograms um, is what I'm working with. Um, and <laughs> I'm just doing... Major tangent. So if I'm shoulder press, it's one arm because I yeah. my weights um, I'm using like all the weight but on one dumbbell. So if I wanted to use two dumbbells, it has to be 16 kilograms. Um, so oh. I'm doing 32 kilograms and I'm doing one arm shoulder press, and that's one day's workout. Chin ups is another day's workout. I've got an ottoman, um, which is for Bulgarian split squats with just with that weight, <laughs> 30, 32 kilograms again. Um, so only one thing per day. Um, and recently it's become every other day or, you know, a day on and two days off. And I've not noticed any difference, to be honest with you, really. Like I'm hanging on to everything. Um, I know that when I, the gym's open again and I go back to doing bench presses, squats, deadlifts, stuff like that, I'm going to have lost strength. I know 100% I will have lost strength. Um, and it's going to take time to build it back. But it is quicker to come back than um, it is to get it in the first place. So you have that kind of bounce back ability factor um to to use a funny word well and if you've held uh, if you've held on to the muscle mass or most of it even um really all yeah. all you're doing is you're just your body just needs to relearn the neuromuscular patterns right like it's really just so uh, that shouldn't take terribly long i mean i had a few years back i had a layoff of um about five months five and a half months while i was waiting for a surgery and I hit, I got back at it and I think I was, I was hitting PRs about five weeks later. Okay. So yeah. Okay. So it, like it comes back really fast. The first couple of weeks I was like, wow, this, this kind of sucks. <laughs> right. Okay. I was a little, I was a little bit worried. I was like, oh, how long is this going to take? And then, uh, you know, by about week four, I was almost as strong as, as when I had stopped lifting. And yeah, I was week five and six. I was hitting PRs, all-time PRs. You know, that's great. Super yeah. excited. So I think you'll see the same. That's great because I've, I've actually got um, our gyms open up on I think they're tomorrow. Um, so I've got an appointment to go into the gym on Saturday um, for like we have to have an appointment to get a membership now. So that's, that's the same here. Sign up. Um, and then, yeah, I'm, I'm back in. So, you know, hopefully not too long. Because vis visually, when I look in the mirror, if I've worked out recently, um, I don't look any different. If I've left it a couple of days, like I was a bit flat and everything. But, you know, yeah. after, especially after, just after having done some chin-ups or something, I look the same as I did. Um, but I know the strength isn't going to be there. Apart from on the movements where the amount of weight I'm moving is comparable or the amount of work I'm able to do at home is comparable. So like one arm shoulder presses is kind of comparable to what I would probably have been doing seated. You know, the standing element and using one arm means there's more um, stabilizing required, you know, more core work and everything. Um, so it's, I'm not that far away from probably the intensity I'd be working at 
in the gym. Um, and chin-ups as well. Uh, I'm just doing those weighted, so there's no difference at all. And that's probably carrying going to carry over to my rows and my deadlifts, maybe. Um, definitely the rows, maybe not the deadlifts. Um, you know, but it's similar muscle groups. So I'm working the shoulders and back at a good intensity. Bench press is going to suffer because I haven't been able to push the same kind of weight. Um, but yeah, I guess I suppose I, I suppose the shoulder press, the the dumbbell will probably help me to come back on the bench press quite quickly as well because it's not the same muscle groups really. Um, yeah, so it's all optimistic. Um, no, that's awesome. I uh, it just occurred to me that we had uh, put out a call for questions on Twitter, so I thought, you know what, I should take a look and see if we've got any. Um, yes. We just have we just have one right now, and it's uh, uh, at Op Firestorm, and he wants to know uh, any advice for fitness people suffering from mental health. Traumatic incidents at work gave me eating anxiety, which I'm coping with. But what types of fitness are good for anxiety or mental health? Well, right, that's fairly straightforward, I think. I've got. I can. I can cover that but um i think i think i think uh you've got a few things to say on that on mental health yeah i mean like uh, mental health isn't really my you know my area of like my area of interest when it comes to fitness but i do i do recognize there's a strong be benefit there um anxiety i'm not 100 percent sure how that all plays out but i do know that uh, resistance training has been demonstrated to be more effective for treating depression than any existing medication. So the medications that they, the antidepressants that they're giving out are less effective than a good dose of resistance training for treating depression. So I got to imagine anxiety and depression are somewhat similar in that they are, you know, uh, chemically you've got something going on as far as, you know, your brain's not responding quite the same way to certain chemical signals. And you got to think that, um, that anxiety couldn't be hurt too much by, by a strong regimen of physical training. I know a coach who actually specializes in, um, in management of mental illness through exercise and diet, and she has anxiety issues and her, her training has significantly lessened her difficulties there. And I believe she isn't on any medications at this time. So resistance training is good for anxiety. At least that's yeah. been my experience. I mean, I don't know much about um, what's happens on, you know, I haven't read many studies on this or anything, uh, but it's clear that there are endorphins released uh, when, when you do any sort of uh, physical exercise. Um, and it would not surprise me to learn that that's higher with resistance training. Uh, and it seems like that's the case um, with what you've just said. Um, you know, personal anecdotes, I feel better after having done it. Um, it's just a shame that it might be a little bit of a catch-22 situation for some people because um, if you have anxiety, the idea of um, going to a gym um, or doing something where others may see you um, can be very off-putting um absolutely so in order to get the, in order to get the benefit you need to overcome those, those difficulties um it's kind of a, a difficult one uh, like but but if you can get it started um i'm sure it could be very helpful um and the other thing i was going to say was um no it's gone sorry you have to edit that <laughs> it's all right if it comes back you can just interject later and just be like i remembered um yeah. that we don't we don't hold any formal rules on this uh, on this discussion so yeah i mean what you were saying is is dead on about um uh, sometimes you're in a situation where the solution of the problem has a uh like a like an inherent hurdle you have to overcome to start actually solving the problem like going to the gym even though you're anxious about it or you're nervous um, this, this is a big part of why I think home gyms are going to be bigger and bigger and bigger as time goes on. Uh, a lot of people, and rightfully so, they're a little bit, you know, they're a little reticent to go out there and, 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 and get sweaty and, and learn how to lift and, you know, feel embarrassed in front of strangers out in a public place. I know I myself was never a fan of going to the gym. I mean, at, 
as much of that boiled down to the time investment as anything else. But but I'm not going to lie that working at out at home is nice because I don't have to worry about managing my image, right? I don't have to. I, I can get up in the pajamas I'm wearing and go lift if that's what I want to do. And it's not socially unacceptable because nobody's going to see me, right? Um, so the, I think home gyms are a good answer to somebody who's in a situation like that. It's like either a home gym or like, you know, maybe maybe you know some other people who would also like to work out and you can go together on a small garage setup somewhere. Um, you know, might have to do a little bit out of the box thinking. Might have to start with just body weight work at home. Build your confidence. Uh, get yourself into a better mental state, and then you be you know you'll have the 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 strength to take that next step, mentally and physically. Yeah. And actually, um, that's a good point. And also, um, working on bodyweight stuff at home is probably a good idea for everyone uh, who's beginning this because I don't think you should be getting on getting under a bar and squatting until you can do a bodyweight squat. Um, so, or a, or a goblet squat with a cheap kettlebell that you bought off of Amazon. Um, you should be able to do those things first uh, before you jump into anything more serious. Um, and um, also, yeah, it will give you the confidence that when you get there, you kind of you can do something that you know how to do. Um, I remember a, a personal anecdote um, of mine, um, which was that when I when I first started going to the gym, I was scared of the free weights area, really like really intimidated by it. Yeah. And I knew I needed to go in there because all the things I was reading were talking about equipment that was in there. Um, and I knew I needed to do it, but I still felt like I didn't know what I was doing. And I felt like it was dominated by people who were really advanced and knew what they were doing. Um, and I, there were several experiences where I went into that section and it was kind of, it was down some steps. It was in like the basement of the gym. So there was like a specific area where, um, it was just that area. Um, so you had to walk in and walk out. Um, and yeah, I just felt like I was being watched as I walked, as I walked in. Um, and then I, I was kind of wandering around, not really sure what to do. And there were a couple of times where I just wandered around and then left again. Um, yep. Yeah, just uncomfortable experience. And I, I'm a guy who I was, I didn't, I, I wasn't someone who had other reasons to stand out. Um, Apart from just that I didn't know what I was doing, like you know, it's it's dominated. It was dominated by men um, who were in shape, young. So you know, if you were an older person or someone who was a bit more out of shape than I was, it would be even more intimidating, I would imagine. Um, so yeah, overcoming that point. sort of thing is is tough for sure. Um, but I would say that um, people are nice, um, and some of the people who have made the most progress in the gym um and you know gotten to a really advanced stage some of the nicest people i've ever met so um you know and, and they're welcoming and accepting and everyone started somewhere you know nobody nobody walked into the gym apart from freaks uh, and deadlifted even you know even insignificant weight on their first attempt so yeah we all started somewhere i couldn't even bench um so I, I just 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 for reference, I probably weighed about eighty-five kilograms, which is what um what one hundred eighty-five pounds or something. Um, when I started in the gym, yeah, um, about that, I yeah. could not bench press 15, 15 kilograms on each side of the bar, which is 50, 50 kilograms. So hundred was that one hundred fifteen pounds or something? Um, I couldn't bench that. So that's that that and that was expected of me. So I went with a friend. Um, who's who thought I was going to be able to do that, and I couldn't do it. He had to pull the bar off me. Uh, that's yeah. That was you know. I have a similar. Uh, I have a similarly embarrassing anecdote about when I started and how weak I was. It's super weak. So I have those Bo Bowflex uh, ten ninety adjustable dumbbells. Uh, so when I went to go buy them, uh, they were on sale at a store in a city close to where I live. And I was like, okay, like good deal. I'm going to save a couple hundred bucks. I'm going to go get them. So I went into the store and the guy also had the 50 pound ones, the ones that go five to 50 pounds. And I was like, you know what though? Like the difference in the price and everything, I was like, I should just buy one set that's going to last me. I don't need a five pound dumbbell. I do need a 10 pound dumbbell. I'm like, 
I'm just going to break down and buy the 90 pound ones because then I know I'm good for a while. So I bought the 90 pound dumbbells, a pair of them. Well, they come in these boxes and with the packaging and everything, they come in at pretty close to 100 pounds. I could barely lift one with my whole body. I could barely lift it. The guy's like, how are you going to get this to your car? And I was like, that's a great question. <laughs> how am I going to get it? My car's parked outside the mall, right? So I had to take a dolly and wheel them out on a dolly. And then, like, you know, I'm back braking, trying to get them into the car one at a time. And it took me several minutes to lift two of them into the car. I could barely. And then when I got home, I had the same problem. I had to get them out of the car and haul them into the house and then down the stairs. And I had to do it in a couple phases and take breaks. Yeah, and you can't drop those. Nope. No, they don't like being dropped. No, so it took me several trips to make it from my car to the house and then from the upstairs to the downstairs and get them all unpacked and set up and everything. And I remember thinking, I am never going to need the 90-pound setting on these dumbbells for anything. When I first started, I, I could barely lift one dumbbell, my whole body, and walk with it, you know, and awkwardly. And so I look back on that now and just think it's hilarious because I, I often complain, like, I, I need heavier dumbbells. Like, there's several exercises for which 90 pounds, two 90-pound dumbbells is not sufficient anymore for me to uh, effectively complete the work. You know, I, I actually had to break down and buy, uh, uh, like, the uh, uh, I have the Olympic-handled dumbbells that you can slide your olympic size plates on and i don't trust that for overhead work but for i can use it for for lower body stuff and and rowing and stuff and so i use that now um because my adjustable dumbbells are nowhere near heavy enough but when i started out one dumbbell i could barely lift it my entire body yeah that's that's a great story um, <laughs> and i think a lot of people will relate to that uh, myself i relate to that as well um and um I think, um, imagine if you could have told yourself then um, when you were struggling to get those dumbbells into your car and uh, that one day you will be needing more weight. Like it won't be enough weight to have one of those in each hand, you know, pressing them. You'd have not believed it. And I can remember similar similar points in my lifting timeline where I thought, you know, I'll never reach that weight. Um, and then now I, now I lift double that weight, you know. Um, and exactly. get annoyed that I'm not making more progress. You know, you have to kind of think and remember where you came from sometimes. Um, and I would say, I would say, give this message to somebody who's just starting out: is that it seems a long way away at, at points, certain things, or it feels like you'll never reach X, Y, Z point, or Z point. Sorry, um, and you will get there, and then you will fly past it, and you'll probably get to double whatever that point was. Um, and it just it just comes as long as you stay consistent and you apply the right principles and you you know you don't try and rush it um, you will you will do that you are capable of a lot and you are a lot stronger than you think um, so yeah and I'll probably um, I'll probably have to leave it there because um, it's, it's great it's a nice mess to finish on and it's uh, it's five past eleven yeah and it's so, it's so late uh, for you I better, better not sacrifice my sleep too much more so <laughs> yeah I think I think I'll have to give it call it that call it a night. Well, uh, it was awesome as as always.